Good morning all, to all of you. How you guys all doing? Good morning. Terrific. Good, good. Nice, beautiful day. Got a lot. We're on a good stretch of weather. We haven't had too much rain for a while, so <clears throat> that's all right. We'll have we've had enough to share. Yeah, it's dry. It'll be dry. Hey, uh, today is going to be our 553rd and last hour in the Book of Romans. So I, we started this May 1st, 2007, and here we are, 2010, August 29th. So we finished it. And everything, it's all on the web. It's all on the website. All the all the uh, the written part of it, and um, so we're going to finish it off today with Paul's doxology in the last three verses of Romans 16, and uh, so it's pretty cool. I'm very, I, you should be very proud of yourselves. To uh, those of you guys who've been, you know, stay with me through the Book of Romans. I know I'm proud of myself because, and not too many guys get to do the Book of Romans like this the way we did verse by verse. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty pleased. And starting Tuesday, we're going to do the book of Jonah. And, of course, Jonah is a different style of writing, different genre of literature. It's an historical uh, prophetic narrative, and we'll be studying that beginning on Tuesday. But today we're going to ramp up with our, our study of Romans and uh, just going to um, finish that off. And before we, know, uh, before we get underway, um, actually, I, want to, I should bring out the... Um, the class schedule during the week, especially for the people on Pal Talk too. Anybody who hits our website, so they can go to our website. I'll announce it. You guys know in front of me what it is. But for those who might be new to the ministry that are listening on the website, we we have uh, classes Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. and uh, every and, and of course here Sunday mornings at 9. And of course every class is different. We do verse by verse through the different uh, books of the Bible. And so every class will be different. It's not a, a, a repetition uh, of classes during the week. It's, it's, every class is different. And uh, also our, our website is uh, www.wenstrom.org. You can also find us at wenstrombibleministries.org, but I usually do the shorter one, wenstrom.org. And uh, you can uh, download our classes there. And uh, I think that's about it. We're going to uh, take a moment of silent prayer as we normally do. Remember, if we want to hear what the Spirit's saying to us through the song service, through the fellowship, through the teaching of the Word of God, uh, we need to make sure that we're in fellowship with God. And that's why God has given us 1 John 1 9, which states, If we confess our sins to the Father, He, God the Father, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins with the result that He purifies us from each and every wrongdoing, even the sins that we don't know we are committing due to ignorance of the Word of God. So it's, we're restored to fellowship when we confess our sins because of who Jesus Christ is and what he did for us at the cross. In the same way that we're saved uh, through the merits of Christ and his death on the cross, so also we're uh, restored to fellowship through the merits of Christ and his death on the cross. And then to, once we're in fellowship, back in fellowship, we need, if, we haven't already, if we're not already in fellowship, we maintain that fellowship by listening and obeying what the Spirit says to us in the Word of God. And that's being filled with the Spirit. And when the filling uh, Spirit means, it's not uh, something like uh, we look at it uh, like you know this this uh, this bottle is filled up with water. It has nothing to do with that. That's not the idea. To be filled with the Spirit means that the Holy Spirit is influencing you, guiding, directing you. He's empowering you to do the Father's will, to understand the Father's will and do it. And then uh, again. Uh, he does that through the Word of God, obeying the Word of God, which He inspired, according to Second Peter one twenty and twenty one. And so, if there's anything that's bothering you, disturbing, or distracting to you, we're gonna we need to do what First Peter five seven says: cast on your anxieties upon the Lord, because He cares for you. Remember, you are the Father's uh, special. Uh, you are His responsibility. Once you became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> He's responsible for you. He provides for you everything that you need in life: food, shelter, clothing, the bodies that we have. 
Bible doctrine, fellowship with other believers, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and, and food, shelter and clothing, all the essentials, the logistics of life. He provides that for you because you are His child, and that's God the Father's responsibility to take care of you. And so that's why that's why Peter says in First Peter five seven, cast all your anxieties upon the Lord because He cares for you, and put, that's put your name in there because He cares for Bill or He cares for for, for Tony or Tim or Marie. I mean, put your name in there because that's exactly who it's directed to it, me and you and all believers. So with that in mind, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much and we praise you and thank you for all that you've done for us through your Son, Jesus Christ, and giving us everything that we need to do your will and to give us our so great salvation. We thank you for his death, your Son's death on the cross and his resurrection for our justification. And we just thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit and what he did for us the minute we believed in your Son and raising us up and seeing us with your Son at your right hand. And we just thank you, Father, for that. We pray that the Holy Spirit through the teaching of the Word of God, would make that real to us, that we're now seated at your right hand, where your Son is, because we're in union with your Son, we're married to Him, and that we're crucified, died, buried, raised, and seated with Him. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. We thank you for the promise, the guarantee of a resurrection body at the rapture of the church, which is imminent, and help us all here to live our lives in light of the imminent return of your Son, Jesus Christ, to take us home, to be with you, Father. And so that we might uh, experience our sanctification and receive encouragement through our trials and tribulations. And Father, we lift up our ministry. We pray that you, those not only here uh, in, uh, in the Thompson household, who we thank uh, you for raising up to open up their homes to us, but also not only the people here and your people that are in this house, but also those who are listening on Pal Talk and listening to the website or viewing the teaching on the website at a later date. Uh, we just thank you, Father, for them, those who are part of our extended congregation. And we just pray, Father, that all of us and all Christians would grow in love toward you and each other, and that the Holy Spirit would continue to give us wisdom and insight and understanding into that great power and love that has been directed toward us, so that we understand that we don't have to fight for the victory over sin and Satan, but also that, in reality, we already have the victory, and help us to appropriate it by faith, what your Spirit says in the Word of God so that we might experience this victory now in time and bring glory to you and grow to maturity. We also, Father, we pray, Father, for other ministries such as our own. We lift up Pastor McLaughlin's ministry. We pray, Father, for him and Jim McCard's ministry in Massachusetts, Joe Griffin in St. Louis. Uh, we pray, Father, for uh, Bob Dean down in Texas and uh, Robbie Dean down there as well and uh, Evangelist Gary Horton and other individuals throughout this country and the world that are serious students of the Word of God. 
We also, Father, we pray for our leaders. We pray for President Obama. We pray, Father, for him and his cabinet and the executive, judicial, legislative branches of our federal, state, and local governments and military. We pray that you would expose them to the gospel, whether it's for their salvation or uh, their word of God, the gospel for their spiritual growth. We thank you for those who have positive volition, that have establishment principles, freedom principles, and we just pray, Father, that you would help those in the church to, in this country to pray for their leaders as, you, as your word has commanded us to do in 1 Timothy 2, 1-8, so that we might have a tranquil and peaceful life. And we just uh, thank you for our leaders. And we also, Father, we just thank you for this study in the book of Romans. And thank you for uh, giving us the strength to, and the perseverance to complete it. And we just pray that this service this morning would be a great blessing to the body of Christ assembled here. Help those in the audience to concentrate, to pay strict attention to the Spirit's guidance and direction. Give grace to the communicator so that he could deliver to your people with accuracy and clarity, reverence and respect and power, your full counsel to your people, revealing your will through him. And that we pray that as, as a result of this Bible class, we'd continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our precious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and with one voice bring glory to you and your Son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, we pray for these things in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Could you all rise, please? And we're going to do Amazing Grace. Uh, you'll see the songs are all stapled together. You've got Amazing Grace, then there's going to be There Is Nothing Sweeter. And then lastly, Saved by Grace, we'll do that for the offering. But Amazing Grace is the first one we'll do. phrase
one we're going to do is, uh, there is nothing sweeter that I'm going to do for you guys. There is nothing sweeter than to taste your word of grace. To gain a knowledge of your word is to see the Savior's face. To read about who you are has brought me so much joy. There is nothing sweeter than to learn your word each day. To understand the word of truth is to find the words to pray. To search and know the will of God is through the word of life. Oh, your word's my daily bread. Living my life by all that you have said Oh, your word's my guiding light It teaches me what's wrong and what is right There is nothing sweeter than your word that's tried and true it reveals the future things and all that you will do To look into the mind of Christ Has made my life complete Oh, your word's incomparable Doing what men think is impossible Oh Your word's omnipotent It's saving souls and so magnificent There is nothing sweeter than your word that is so pure Heaven will pass away, but your word it will endure. Forever I will praise your word for all that he has done. 
there's nothing sweeter than your word. There is nothing sweeter than your word. Mm -hmm. I love your word. Could you turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 16, verse 25? Turn to Romans chapter 16, verse 25, and then I want you to hold that place there and go to Romans 1 1. So I want you to have your fingers in two places Romans 1 1 and Romans 16 25, because I'm going to show you something really, really interesting what Paul does in the last paragraph of this book, this epistle that we're going to be finishing today. So Romans 16 25, and then have your finger in Romans 1.1. 1, 1. Alright, Romans chapter 16, verses 25 through 27, is a doxology. And we're going to study what that's all about. The, the, the term doxology is from the Greek word thoxologia. And it's derived from the Greek noun thoxa, which means praise, glory, honor. And this dox, what a doxology means, or it denotes, it denotes a brief ascription of praise to members of the Trinity. So the doxology that we're going to study this morning in Romans 16, 25 through 27, is a, is a doxology, it's an ascription of praise to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. It's, a, it's, a, it's an ascription of praise and glory, because this is, what's interesting is, this is what we're going to do and the new heavens and the new earth. This is what we're going to do during the millennium. This is what we're going to do when we get to heaven when we die. We're going to, what are we going to do when we get to heaven? We're going to praise the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to pray God, praise God the Father. We're going to give them honor and glory. And when I talk about glory here, we're talking about praise, the ascription of praise to them, and also thanksgiving to them. Now the doxology, the reason why I have you at Romans 1.1 1, 1 and Romans 16.25 is that the doxology, that last paragraph in Romans 16, echoes the language and themes that appear throughout this epistle, the Roman epistle, especially the introduction of the epistle. For example, in Romans 1.4 and 16, God's power is mentioned, as it is in Romans 16.25 with the verb uh, uh, venomai. Now, I want you to look at Romans 16.25 first of all. It says in Romans 16.25, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ be the glory forever. Amen. Now look at verse 25. It says, Now to him who is able. The word able there, the Greek word dunamai, which is translated is able, is talking about the power of God, as we'll see. Look at Romans 1.4. Or Romans 1.1. Romans 1.1. Paul, a bond servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with what? Power! By the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, 
Jesus Christ our Lord. Look at Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For why? Because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So notice in Romans 16.25, he says, To him who is able... Abel is talking about God's power, His omnipotence. And if you look at Romans 1.4 and Romans 1.16 as we did, God's power is mentioned. So the, that one thing, God's power, that's mentioned in the introduction of the epistle is brought back and re, uh, reiterated by Paul in the final paragraph in the doxology in Romans 16, verses 25-27. Also, Paul, so Paul uses the word sterizo, which means to establish in Romans 1.11, as he also does in Romans 16.25. Look at Romans 16.25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel. Look at Romans. Look at Romans chapter 1. Look at verse 11. For I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift. That's as we saw as a spiritual blessing. Not a spiritual gift as we think of it. To you that you may be Establish. That means strengthen in your walk with God. Strengthen in your faith. So there, Romans 1.11 and Romans 16.25, that uh, phrase, uh, uh, word, sterizo, establish, or actually means to strengthen, is used in both places. So Paul, again, is echoing many of the themes that he, had, he presented in the introduction in his doxology. He's reiterating them. Also, the word ev evangelion, gospel, appears in Romans 1.1. Romans 1 9, 16, 2 16, as it also does in Romans 16 25. Look at Romans 16 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to what? My gospel. Now look at verse 1. Romans 1 1. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for what? The gospel of God. Look at Romans 1 16. We read earlier. For I'm not ashamed of what? The gospel, the good news. So there again, Paul, in Romans 16.25, is reiterating a theme that he mentions in the introduction of the epistle. Then in Romans 1.17 and 3.21, he speaks of revelation or something being manifested as he does in Romans 16.25. Look at Romans 16.25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to what? The revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past. Now look at, uh, look at Romans chapter 1, look at verse uh, 17. Romans 1, 17. Paul says, For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God has been what? Revealed from faith to faith. Also, it's interesting, Paul speaks of the Old Testament scriptures in Romans 1, 2 and 3, 21. He also does that in Romans 16, 26. Look at Romans uh, 16, 25. Look at Romans 16.25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret from long ages past but now is manifested and by the prophet, uh, scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God has been made known to all the nations leading to obedience and faith. So there we see the scriptures of the prophets. They're mentioned in Romans 1-2. Look at Romans 1-1. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through where? His prophets and the holy scriptures, the Old Testament prophets. So there's another theme that was mentioned in the introduction, the Old Testament prophets, and the gospel was known by the Old Testament prophets. And in Romans 16-26, we see that Paul, re again, reiterates 
the the uh, the Old Testament prophets again as a uh, bearing witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Also, it's interesting. Uh, he uses the phrase obedience of faith in Romans 1.5. He also does that in Romans 16.26. But look at Romans, look at Romans chapter 1, verse 1 again. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set upon for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David, according to his flesh, the human nature of Christ, who was declared the Son of God, that's his deity, with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom, Jesus Christ our Lord, we've received what? Grace and apostleship to bring about the what? Obedience of faith, or as we'll say, the obedience which is produced by faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. Look at Romans 16. And look at verse 26. In Romans 16:26, but now, talking about the mystery of the God, of the mystery there, which has been kept secret from long ages past, is manifested, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to what? Obedience of faith. The exact same expression in the Greek is used there. Okay, in Romans 16:26, uh, it's used in the introduction as well. Now. In Romans 16.26, if you, if you notice, he talks about uh, that the uh, commandment of the eternal God has been made known to all the nations. But look at verse 26 again. But now the mystery is manifested, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, the Gentiles. Now, look at Romans 1.5. Romans 1.5 through whom? Jesus Christ. We've received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles. The Gentiles is talking about is is, is called nations in Romans sixteen twenty six, and the, they use the same word. It's talking about the Gentiles. When he talks about the nations, he's talking about the Gentiles for his name's sake. It says so. Notice again, all these themes are being mentioned that were mentioned in the introduction of being mentioned in the final paragraph of the epistle. You know why? Because Paul is trying to bring everything together with this last paragraph. Now, if you look at Romans 16.27, he says in Romans 16.27, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. Amen. Now, look at Romans, hold your place, look at Romans 11. Look at verse 33. Look at Romans 11.33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. This is a doxology too in verses 33 through 36. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who became his counselor? Or who, who has first given to God that, that he might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Sound familiar? Absolutely. What we see, again, is many of the themes that he mentioned in the, in the epistle, throughout the body of the epistle in the introduction, he's bringing back to our remembrance, the reader's remembrance, here in the final paragraph of Romans 16, 25-27. The theme of the revelation of the gospel and how it applies to all of humanity is prominent 
in this doxology. Doxology means praising God. It speaks of praising God. So in Romans 16, 25-27, the theme of the revelation of the gospel and how it applies to all of us in, human, in, in the human race is prominent in this doxology and the final paragraph of the, the epistle of Romans. So in this doxology, Paul is seeking to stimulate, and the Holy Spirit's trying to do that with us as well here in the 21st century, the Holy Spirit through Paul is seeking to stimulate the Roman believers in us as well to praise God for His plan of salvation that includes both Jews and Gentiles. Hey, we could do, we could learn a lot from our Pentecostal brothers and sisters in Christ who really emphasize the praise and worship of God. That's great. That's part of it. Thanksgiving God. I think people who are quote-unquote doctrinal need to get that into their lives a little bit more. We need to have a balance. We need to have that praise aspect of God and thanking God whether vocally or in our prayers, whatever it is, there's nothing wrong with that. That's, this is what Paul was doing in writing. Paul would have the spontaneous ascription uh, 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 of praise to God. I used to like uh, my friend Wayne Larson went home to be with the Lord. I used to love when he get, get all of a sudden be like in this big point and he would go, Amen! over the corner. I was like, and I know what he was doing. He wasn't doing it to draw attention to himself. He was all excited about the Word of God. See, there's nothing wrong with that if it's legitimate. I mean, there are people who try to break up a service by doing amen all the time, but that's wrong. But you, be, but when there's something that's there and you the spirit, boom, you, that's what he would do. And this is what Paul's doing. He's finishing off this epistle with a song of praise to God. And this is what we're going to be doing. If you read Revelation 4 and 5, what are we going to be doing? Praising the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father. Singing. There'll be instruments in heaven. We'll be singing. Dance, get up and dance. All David's dance before the Lord. And his wife, you know, his first wife, uh, Michelle, uh, Macau, whatever her name is, she she actually was embarrassed because David was dancing before the Lord. The king shouldn't do that. That's not dignified. She wouldn't have anything to do with him at that point. And she never had a child through David. He had children with other, with other women. So there we have, this is what Paul's talking to us about. Praising God. The Holy Spirit through Paul is seeking to stimulate us to praise God in our own prayer life and in the uh, in our local assembly when we meet together. Now look at Romans sixteen twenty five. Let's get into this the, uh, the the guts of this doxology, which has a ton of doctrine. It's amazing. So he says in Romans sixteen twenty five, not a him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret for long ages past. To him who is able, as I said before, is used of God the Father. It refers to his power. It speaks of his ability or capacity to strengthen the Roman believers spiritually, which Paul says is according to his gospel. Doesn't it say in Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is alive and powerful? Basically, the gospel is a synonym for the word of God. And what does the gospel do? It strengthens us. you got to understand something. And I've been, point, I've been pounding this down since I came to Iowa, the Word of God is alive and powerful. Know your Bible and you will strengthen yourself spiritually. That's how you get strengthened spiritually, according to the Gospel, which Paul presented to us in the main argument of this letter. From Romans 1, 18 all the way to Romans 15, 13, he gave the Gospel, which is not just directed for the how to get saved, how to get converted to Christianity, how to get justified, but it's, it talks about how we're going to live the spiritual life. What do we do after we get saved? Do we sit around and wait for the rapture? 
No, we're to grow up to spiritual maturity. Ephesians 4.11-16 teaches that. You can't go to spiritual maturity unless you are taking in the Word of God. What does it say? Man does not live on bread alone, but from every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Matthew 4.4 4. So, to him who is able speaks of the Father's capacity, his ability, his, his power to strengthen us according to his gospel. Now, thus Paul is reminding the Romans that, and all of us that we're strengthened spiritually through the communication of the gospel, which Paul presents in detail in the main argument of the epistle. Do you eat food in the natural realm every day? We don't dare miss a, a day of food, right? Well, you gotta, we got, like, for instance, we got a ton of food upstairs, right? Would, we, would, you miss, would you dare miss a meal? No. But why do Christians miss the meal of the Word of God? There is nothing sweeter than the Word of God, right? That's right. It's more important than our natural food. More important. Do you know that you could go 40 days and 40 nights without food? You just couldn't go without water. But it's, it's, been, it's been proven scientifically that you could go without 40 days. You can go up to 60 days is what I've studied. So, that, but you can't go without the Word of God. So why do Christians starve themselves the Word of God? That's why I teach the Word of God as many times as I can. I do four times a week. I'd love someday to have five days a week. But and your, your job and my job as Christians is to take in the Word every day. That doesn't mean you have to be at Bible class every day. But it does mean that every day you should have sanctified time to study your Bible. Make the time. It, you will really, really appreciate it, especially when trouble strikes, strikes, when adversity strikes. Then you'll appreciate your knowledge of the Word of God, which will help you deal with your problems. It'll help you deal with your wife. It will help you deal with your husband, your kids. It will help you deal with your pastor and your deacons. It will help you deal with your job and your obnoxious boss. It will help you live a life that just doesn't get you through life but it allows you to go transcend your circumstances. And that no matter whether you're in the penthouse or you're in the dungeon, no matter whether you're doing great and everybody loves you or you don't and everybody hates you, you can rise above the circumstances, transcend it, because you know your Bible, you know the Word of God, you know how to apply it to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now he says in verse 25, Now to him who is able to establish you, according to my gospel, to establish is that word sterizo we mentioned earlier, which means to strengthen, indicating that the Father will cause the Roman believers to become stronger in their faith and stabilized in their relationship with God, according to Paul's gospel, which he communicated in the main argument of the epistle. So when he says to establish, he means strengthen. So the word of God, the gospel, strengthens us. You don't get strengthened any other way spiritually. It pivots off your, your attitude toward the Word of God. Remember, Jesus Christ is the living Word. This book is the written Word. Written by the Spirit. And we are to put this in our soul. Not just in our, on our refrigerators. Okay? We like to, there's nothing wrong with that to remind you of things. But it should be in your soul. It should go into your soul. Be students of the Word of God. And you will be strengthened spiritually. You have, you, you might, doesn't it say in Romans chapter 10 verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ? So you look at a Christian and say, how are they so strong? How do they know those scriptures? How do they do all that? You know how they do that? Because they know the Bible. They know the word of God. That's no accident. You gotta put the time into it. You gotta apply yourself to it. So, consequently, 
This would produce greater obedience and consequently greater spiritual growth among the Roman believers. So if you want to grow spiritually, you want to get stronger spiritually, you want to make a bigger impact for God, you got to take in the Word of God. That will strengthen you. The Gospel will strengthen you. Keep going. Look at what it says in verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my Gospel. According to my Gospel indicates that the Father is able to strengthen the Roman believers spiritually in accordance with the teaching of the Gospel. We need teaching. We need to be taught. That's why God raised up men with the spiritual gift to pass the teacher to give us the Word of God. Hold your place. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Billy said though too. Yeah. Hearing it. Hearing it. Yeah. Some learn different though too, don't you believe? Oh, absolutely. You can you hear it. Well, predominantly when when you, you hear it, then we were in our society we're more visual. Right. But you whether you take it in, like for instance, uh, lamp in the dark. Yeah. Pixie Mayfield. She can't even hear. Yeah. But she takes it in the word. She yeah. visually. So when he was talking in general in the old, in the ancient world, they were more of a, a of a culture that was involved in hearing. They were more they weren't as visual as we are. We had we have tele we're the television generation. Into that, we're more visual. So yes, you can take in the word of God obviously visually, but you're hearing it as well. But listen, it says in Ephesians chapter four verse eleven. This is why your pastor teacher is so important to you. Look at this because he gives you the word of God that strengthens you spiritually. Look at Ephesians four eleven. And he, Jesus Christ in context, has gave, gave some as apostles and some as prophets, some as evangelists and some as pastor and teachers. It's not two guys, pastor and teachers. It's one. It's pastor hyphen teachers. For the why? For the equipping of the saints. For the work of service. You want to be better in your spiritual gift? More, more fruit? Taking the word of God from your pastor. To the building up of the body of Christ, meaning spiritually edified, until we all attain what? To the unity of the faith. If we all apply the word of God and obey the word of God, there'll be unity. This unity happens not by accident. It happens because some are obeying and some are not. So he says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the what? The knowledge of the Son of God. You know there's a place in the Bible that says in Jeremiah, that in, Paul quotes it in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2. To know me, you can boast of this. Boast that you know the Lord. Now the people who know the Lord know their Bible which is the mind and thinking of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16 Look, he says in verse 13, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and a knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, people, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We're to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ. See? To grow up to become like Jesus Christ. From whom? Christ. The whole body, the Christian church, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, the joint there speaking of the pastor. What is he supplying? The Word of God. According to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Now go back to Romans 16, 25. Romans 16.25, Paul says, Now to him, the Father, who is able to establish you according to my gospel, and then he explains what he means by the phrase according to my gospel with the next statement. And the preaching of Jesus Christ 
according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret for long ages past. That right there is explaining what Paul means by according to the gospel. Now, what does he mean by preaching the preaching of Jesus Christ? People call me sometimes preacher, which I really don't like. I'm actually like a herald. I am a herald because the word preaching there, the verb there in the noun form, speaks of proclaiming the gospel as a herald in a dignified and authoritative manner. The words taken in the ancient world when a Roman emperor had a decree he wanted to put out, when a, when they, when a battle was won, on the, on the, on, when there was a victory on the battlefield, Rome won, they would have a herald and he would go to Rome, he would go to the different cities in the Roman Empire and proclaim that Gaius Julius Caesar has conquered Gaul and he would proclaim it as a herald in a dignified and authoritative manner. That's how I am and all pastors and evangelists are supposed to proclaim the Word of God. That's why when I go up here and teach the Word of God, it's the Spirit of God working through me that is causing me to speak with such conviction and an authoritative fashion, not like a whippy, like this. That's not how you're supposed to proclaim the Word of God. I'm preaching the message of the King. What greater message? I get a better message to teach and to proclaim to the world than our politicians do. Because I got the gospel. You have the gospel. We have the gospel. Paul had the gospel, which is the power of God for salvation. It's able to bring obedience, about bring about faith, which is obedience, which is produced by faith. So the preaching of Jesus Christ refers to Paul publicly proclaiming the gospel as a herald in a dignified and authoritative manner which commands the respect of the, and the attention of the audience. I'm supposed to speak to be captivate you. The Spirit does that through me. And I'm supposed to speak in a dignified and authoritative manner. That's how Paul and all the apostles taught that. They taught the gospel that way. Now when he says according to the revelation of the mystery, that refers to what God the Holy Spirit disclosed to Paul with reference to the gospel that centers upon the person of Christ in his death and resurrection, which accomplishes the Father's plan for salvation for both Jew and Gentile. Now the prophets of Old Testament, if you look at Romans 16, Look at verse 25 again. He says, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my uh, gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret for long ages past. Now listen to me. The prophets of Old Testament Israel testified to the gospel. And it's now being fully, made fully known by the Spirit through the apostles and the New Testament prophets. And their writings are all, the apostles and the New Testament prophets, their writings are put down in the Greek New Testament. So when it says according to the revelation of the mystery, that prepositional phrase indicates that Paul publicly proclaimed the gospel as a herald based upon or upon the basis of receiving revelation from the Holy Spirit concerning the mystery which has been kept secret for eternity past. Now listen to me. The Old Testament, and when you look at your Bibles, man gave, God gave me to man revelation. And revelation is progressive. For instance, the woman, Adam and the woman in the garden, they got the seed plot of the gospel. Your seed will crush the serpent's head. He will bruise, the seed of the serpent will bruise his heel, Christ's heel. He'll be crucified. That was the seed plot of the gospel. And then it was built up. And then it was built up. We saw that, that was, then we saw Abraham. Abraham was given the gospel. He, had, he said that you, Abraham, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And you all, your nation, and your seed, all the nations will be blessed. Who's the seed? Christ. 
Galatians says that, Galatians 3. And then we get more and more information. We found out that he would be from the tribe of Judah, not just from the descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but that he would come from the tribe of Judah in Israel. And then more and more revelation. We got more and more understanding of who he was. And then Christ comes. We know who the Messiah is, his identity. He would be Jesus of Nazareth. He would be the one prophesied all the way back to Adam and the woman in the garden when they fell. So we're saying here, according to the revelation of the mystery, he's saying that this has been made fully known who the Messiah is, his identity. He'd be Jesus of Nazareth. And this is what he would do. He would die on a Roman cross and he would raise from the dead. The scriptures of the prophets, they talked about this. He would be pierced through. His hands and feet would be pierced through. Psalm 22, Psalm 50, uh, Isaiah 53, so the suffering Messiah. It talks about the suffering servant. He would be pierced through for our transgressions. They would look upon him whom they pierced. And, and they, they, would, uh, they would look at him. He would be, they would be so gross to look at because of he was so beaten to a pulp, it says in Isaiah 52. So the, all these things were talking about someone. They didn't know who exactly who this person was. They knew he was coming, but Jesus Christ came, Jesus of Nazareth, and now we know fully about the gospel. And then when he died on the cross and rose from the dead, we knew fully the gospel. And the, and the, and the, uh, the apostles, they proclaimed it we now know fully everything that God wanted for us to know from eternity past. The mystery refers to the plan of salvation, people, for both Jew and Gentiles, and is now fully revealed during the church age by the Spirit through the apostles to the church, which was not fully known by the Old Testament prophets of Israel. They had a little glimpse. They had a glimpse here. They had a glimpse there. All the, old, the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament, they had a glimpse of the person of Christ. They put them together. See, in Jesus' day, only a few people in Israel got it. And I recognized who he was. The others, they had their Old Testament scriptures, and they didn't recognize him when he came. But if they knew their Old Testament scriptures, they painted a portrait of who the Messiah would be. And then Jesus of Nazareth, he was the actual individual who was the promised Messiah. So it's been full, made fully known. So the content of the, this mystery is Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection for both Jew and Gentile. Now listen to me carefully. Listen to me. Learn something here. The hidden nature of the gospel is not that it was totally unknown. Because as I said before, as we studied Genesis in the past, the Old Testament prophets, all the way back to Abraham, Adam and Eve, were told that salvation would be provided for both Jew and Gentile through the Jewish Messiah. Again, the hidden nature of the gospel is not that it was totally unknown in the Old Testament, since the Old Testament prophets all the way back to Abraham were told that salvation would be provided for both Jew and Gentile through the Jewish Messiah. In you, Abraham, and in your seed, all the nations would be blessed. Now you and I are the beneficiaries of that promise. We're a fulfillment of prophecy. Susan is a fulfillment of prophecy. Tony is. Tim and Marie. Titus. Keaton and Ashley. Bill and Crystal. The two little shrimp, Cheyenne and, and, and uh, Tyler, all believers, I'm a fulfillment of prophecy. We were predicted in the Old Testament that us Gentiles would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We were in the, we were in the book. We're in the book. Now what Paul means by mystery in Romans 16.25 is that through the Spirit, God the Father, quote-unquote, has fully disclosed the gospel and the person of Jesus Christ 
and in the proclamation of the gospel by the apostles. That's why you've heard me say in the past, we're so blessed. We have the completed canon of Scripture. David didn't have that. Moses didn't have that. Adam and Eve didn't have that. I'd rather be living now and know what we have, and have the full revelation of the Bible. You can't add or subtract to it. Revelation was the final book. Genesis to Revelation, we have it. What a treasure we have. Because now we have the full revelation. God, revelation throughout history has been progressive. God gave a little here, a little there. When we study Jonah, when we study Jonah, the sailors get saved and they don't know that the Messiah is going to be Jesus of Nazareth yet. Nobody in the Old Testament know the actual name of the person Jesus of Nazareth. They knew The Jews knew about the promise of the Messiah, but they had just a little bit of revelation of who Jesus is, Yahweh, the Old Testament, God, Yahweh. They understood a little bit about him, they had a little bit of information, and they were able to get saved based upon that little revelation that they had of them, of him. So we have the full revelation of the Messiah, that he's Jesus of Nazareth, that he was born in Bethlehem, all the things that we learned about him, crucified on a Roman cross, raised from the dead on the third day, we have that. We have it in writing. And how sad that Christians have such a bad attitude and lazy attitude toward this book. And thank God for the ones that don't, that do have a great attitude toward this book. That they're serious about this book. That they really want to know this book because to know this book is to know Jesus and to know the Father and to know the Spirit. To know this book is to know God's ways. To know this book is to know God's will for your life. You don't learn God's will for your life by sitting in a cornfield contemplating infinity. You can sit in the cornfield and read about it, okay, in your Bible. That's where you learn the word, the, the will of your, the Father for your life. So, look at Romans 16, 25 again. He says, Now to him who was able to establish you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret for long ages past, which has been kept secret, for long ages past speaks of the act of God in previous dispensations, not fully revealing all the details concerning the gospel. For long ages past, that speaks of history, past history, stretching all the way back to eternity, before anything was ever created, and there was just the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 26. But now this mystery is manifested, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, the Gentiles, leading to obedience of faith. But now is manifested, that refers to two dispensations in history. The first advent of Christ and the church age dispensation, which has revealed this mystery. The church age began in, in, in day of Pentecost in approximately 33 AD, June. On the day of Pentecost recorded in Acts 2, it ends with the rapture of the church, which is imminent. By the scriptures of the prophets, what does he mean by that? That indicates to us that the mystery was manifested by the Spirit through the Old Testament scriptures. It was referred to, but the mystery has now been fully known through the New Testament prophets and, and uh, apostles. According to the commandment of God, of uh, the commandment of the eternal God, that indicates that this mystery has been manifested during the first advent of Christ in the church age according to the decree of the Father. In eternity past, before anything was ever created, Every decision in human history by all the angels and men was decreed to take place. Everything that's history was decreed by God before it ever happened. That doesn't mean he violates our volition. He sees that in his omniscience, the decisions we make in history, everything that's been in past history, 
has been agreed by God said, I will allow that to happen. And everything now that's happening right now, in fact, me speaking to you, was decreed by the Father before anything was ever created because God has omniscience and He could see our decisions, positive, negative, that we would make. And our future has been decreed by God. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that we, we're not responsible for our own decisions. No, God, we're to make the decisions as God shows us to make decisions, but those decisions still nonetheless have been decreed by God. When he says has been made known, that the mystery has been made known, that means that the mystery has been made known publicly through the life and teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching of his apostles. Where is the teaching of Jesus now? Where are the teaching of the apostles now? In your New Testament. To all the nations, that indicates that the mystery being made known during the church age is on behalf of or for the benefit of the Gentiles. Who's a Gentile? Anybody that's not Jewish racially. That would be you and I. So therefore, we are actually benefiting from this mystery. The mystery of the gospel. Leading to obedience and faith. There's a purpose. There's an end to why God wants the gospel. God wants His creatures, His moral rational creatures, His angels and men to obey Him. But God is using human history to show both angels and men that it's more beneficial and proper and appropriate, obligatory of them to obey their Creator, Redeemer. We're learning that obedience to God is the best thing for us. Just like you parents teach your kids, obedience is what they, it's best thing for them. It'll make their life go a lot better. It's better for them. It's better for their health. It's better for their future. It's better for their quality of life to obey your parents. God does that with His kids, us. He teaches us. He's patient with us. He's tolerant with us. He disciplines us. He feeds us. He teaches us, instructs us because he wants us to obey. And obedience starts with faith. When he says leading to obedience of faith, that's used with reference to the Gentiles, you and I, obeying the gospel message and trusting in Jesus Christ as Savior, as well as referring to the Gentile obedience to the gospel after their conversion. When he talks about faith and obedience, he's not just talking about to get saved, to go to heaven, to be declared justified, but what we're doing now as believers Take it in the Word of God. You're hearing it right now. You have a choice to make. You can either believe what I'm saying to you under the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and if you do, that's going to lead to your obedience. Faith is what starts obedience off. Remember it says Abraham, by faith, in Hebrews 11, 8. By faith, Abraham believed God, and he, and he obeyed God, and went to what? He went to the land of Canaan. But it was his faith that was actually motivating his obedience. Now that phrase, leading to obedience of faith, indicates that the purpose of the Father, making fully known publicly the mystery for the benefit of all Gentiles through the prophetic scriptures according to his decree in eternity past, was to effect, produce their obedience. And obedience is produced by faith. It speaks of faith in Jesus Christ, resulting in being declared justified by the Father. And it also speaks of faith in the Word of God after conversion which results in spiritual growth and maturity. So God doesn't God doesn't God just doesn't want you to get saved. He wants you to grow up to be like his son as we read in Ephesians. Spiritual maturity. I've heard some people say, "Well, we just want the church uh, their, their their vision for the church is get the gospel out to the unsaved. The rapture's coming soon, so we just get the unbeliever the rapture uh, the, the gospel out to the unsaved." Yeah. That's just half of it. The other half is to feed God's children so they grow up to spiritual maturity, to become like Christ. Not just sit around and wait for the rapture. We're to grow. We're to grow up. Hey, in your family, 
my, my family, my parents, they taught me, they instructed me, they fed me. What? So I could grow, so I could stay a little boy in the home for the rest of my life? And just, okay, mom and dad. Here I am, 55 years old. I'd be walking around. Can I mow the lawn for you, mom and dad? No, they want you out of the house. They want me to grow up. So that is what God wants for his children. He doesn't want us to stay babies, little infants. He wants us to have perseverance. He wants us to have all the character, gentleness, patience, love for each other, forgiveness. He wants us to have strength in our strength in our soul. He wants us to be able to handle problems and difficulties, just like you want your kids to take to be able to handle adversity. Because when you go, what are they going to do? You got to teach them now, so that when they do face the adversity, if you're gone, they can face the adversity because you taught them well. God, God never leaves us, unlike our human parents. God never leaves us, but God does want His children to grow up. You honor Jesus Christ by, the, by the, your spiritual growth. You honor Jesus Christ and God the Father, and you are obedient to the Spirit when you grow up to spiritual maturity, when you become like Jesus Christ in thought, word, and action. And that's a long process, people. Don't be discouraged that you're not like Christ now after two years of being saved or after 10 years or after 15 years I've been, I'm, I'm, 40, I'm 29 now no I'm 48 48 and I was saved at 19 and I'm still nowhere near, near where I should be but God is a patient God and ultimately we're going to be perfected at the rapture when we get a resurrection body ultimately we will be perfected but in the meantime what do we do? we grow up spiritually take in the word of God like you're doing now do it. Apply it in your life. Pray every day. Study a little bit of your study your Bible every day. If you can do it 10 minutes, great. If you can do it 15, great. If you can do it 20, great. If you do it an hour, that's even better. Before you go to work, I used to do it. Pray. And you get a tape when you're driving around. Do whatever you can. Feed yourself the Word of God. I used to do that all the time. So this will this will all help you to face your day and to manifest in your job, in your families, in your homes, in your businesses, in your church that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. But you can't manifest yourself to manifest yourself to the world that you're a disciple of Christ if you don't know His Word. Now look at Romans 16, 27, and I can't believe we're actually going to finish the book at this in the next couple of minutes. So you look at verse 27. To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. Amen. So the only wise God indicates that the Father, who is wise, will be the recipient of of adoring praise and worshipful thanksgiving from both saved Jews and Gentiles throughout all eternity. What are we going to do in heaven? What are we going to do for all of eternity? I can tell you right now, there's going to be some kick butt, I almost said the other word, kick butt song services in heaven. I mean, you're going to have Moses singing, you're going to have Paul singing, Jesus sings. Read What, what do you think they did after the, uh, what do you think they did after the, when he had the Lord's Supper? Read Matthew, the end of Matthew, before he went to the cross. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane. What did they do? They sang a hymn. They sang a hymn. Jesus leading the way. He sang. Do Jesus Christ in that passage, verse 27, indicates that both Jew and Gentile believers glorify the Father in prayer in the sense of giving him adoring praise and worshipful thanksgiving through their union and identification of Jesus, with Jesus Christ. It indicates to us, that prepositional phrase, through Jesus Christ, it indicates to us that you and I as believers can only approach the Father to worship Him through the personal, intermediate agency of Jesus Christ. It was taught in the Old Testament you couldn't approach the Father. The Holy of Holies, you couldn't enter the Holy of Holies. 
and worship him. You couldn't go in the tabernacle. You couldn't go into that holy of holies unless you came with a sacrifice. And the sacrifice spoke of Jesus Christ. You can't come and have fellowship with him as a believer except through Jesus Christ. When you pray in Jesus' name, that phrase is not open sesame. It's not like a, 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 a like a good luck thing. It's when you say in Jesus' name, you're actually saying, "I'm approaching you, Father, based upon my union with Jesus Christ, the merits of my union with Christ, and what He did for me at the cross." Because it's only through Jesus Christ can men come to the Father and worship Him and serve Him and offer Him thanksgiving. Only through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, "No one comes to the Father except through Me." And then He says, "To the only wise God through Jesus Christ." The glory, actually look at verse 27, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, and then he says, be the glory forever, amen. What's the glory? It refers to adoring praise, honor, recognition, and worshipful thanksgiving that will be directed towards the Father by both the angels and men, born again believers and the elect angels. So when he talks about glory there, he's saying that the Father is going to be praised and then he's going to receive honor and recognition. Is he getting honor and recognition now? They don't care about God the Father. They dishonor the Son, they crucify Him, and they dishonor the Father. Jesus said, He who honors me, honors the Father. And he who dishonors me, dishonors my Father. It's not happening in this world. But it's going to come. When we get to heaven, we'll see it. When the new heavens and the new earth are created, we'll see it. In the millennial reign, we'll see it. But right now, we don't see that by the world. In the world, this on planet Earth, only through those believers that are approaching the Father through the, the person of Christ and what He did for them at the cross and their union with Him. Those are the individuals. You and I are that unique group that is actually bringing glory to God in the sense that we're giving Him adoring praise, honor, and recognition. When we sing, the communion, when we sing and we have the Lord's Supper, that's a time where we're to whether it's when we're singing, we're verbalizing the, our, our praise in Him, we're, we're, exp we're expressing our praise verbally through song, we're honoring Him, we're giving Him recognition, we're giving Him thanksgiving. That's what the song service is for. And that's what, and then the Word, the word of God is the inf gives you the information that you need to respond in, in worship and adoring praise and thanksgiving. See, if you don't know anything about your God, and my God, if we don't know anything about Him, how can we thank Him for anything? If we don't know who He is or what He did for us. Those who know the most about the Father and those who know the most about Him and His ways and what He's done for us and about Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, those are the individuals that can truly give that praise and, and glory and honor and recognition and thanksgiving to them to the maximum. When He says forever, that expresses the concept of eternity. And when He says amen, what does that mean? It emphasizes people to us the certainty that God the Father will throughout eternity future receive from born-again men and elect angels adoring praise and worshipful thanksgiving through their union and identification with Jesus Christ. We, it's a certainty. When he says amen, it says so be it. It will take place. It's going to happen. There's one thing you can count on. You can't count on that you, how long you're going to You don't know how long you're going to live. You don't know how much pain is going to be in your life. You don't know how much suffering is going to be in your life. But I can tell you guarantees right now. You're going to be in a resurrection body. You're going to save, live with God forever. And you're going to be giving with elect angels and all believers adoring praise to God the Father and Jesus Christ. That's a certainty. That's a fact. That's a guarantee. I can guarantee that. Now listen to what a man named William Mount says as we close. I'm quoting from his commentary. 
William Mounts, and he writes the following. Listen to this. In coming ages, the songs of the redeemed will ring throughout the court of heaven. Redemption will be complete. The eternal purposes of God will reach their fulfillment. God will be forever praised. Can I have a... Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we just thank you and praise you so much for who you are and what you've done for us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you so much for the Son and the Spirit. What you've done for us in the past through them. And what you're doing for us now will do for us in the future. And we just thank you, Father, that we can worship you and that we can approach you based solely upon the merits of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in our union with him. We just thank you for gracing us out and giving us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We thank you for everyone that's here, not only in the Thompson household, but also those that are listening to us on Paltog and will be viewing this class or listening to it at a later date on the website. We thank you and praise you with one voice, Jew and Gentile, male and female, those of your, who you redeemed, who you created and saved. We thank you, Father. We praise you and your Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful blessings you've given to us and are given to us now and will in the future. And we look forward to the day that will be perfected and that we'll have no more sin nature. We'll be out of the devil's world and we will perfect, be in perfect fellowship with you. We'll never be out of fellowship with you in that day. And we look forward to the day that will be perfected. And we pray, Father, that with the imminency of the rapture, that would motivate us all to draw closer to you, to become more serious about our relationship with you and our study of your word, and that we become more and more obedient to what the Spirit says to us. Soften our hearts, Father, so that we hear the things that we heard this morning would take root in our souls and that we would water them to the Spirit and the Word. Now, if there's anyone who hears my voice that hasn't believed in Jesus Christ, I'm here to tell you that God so loved the world that He gave His uniquely born Son, that whoever believes in Him shall never perish but have eternal life. For the Father did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. You've got a free will, a volition, and you could say to the Father in your own words now that you're believing in His Son, Jesus Christ. You can say to the Father in thought only, you can say to Him, I'm believing in Your Son, Jesus Christ. I'm believing in Your Son, Father. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And, your sa and the Savior is Your Son. So it's that easy because the Son did all the work. He went to the cross, He suffered and died, and was raised from the dead for our justification. To demonstrate He's the Son of God, and that the Father is approved of what He's done at the cross. So Father, we just uh, pray for those who are, have, don't have a relationship with Your Son, that they would pay careful attention to what I just said. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Again, Father, we thank You and we pray this class will be a blessing to the body of Christ. And our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Alright, we're going to uh, take our offering right now, and I'll do a song while we're doing that. I'd just like to first of all thank all of you who have been uh, not only here in uh, the Thompson household, that have been so faithful in giving, and uh, very gracious, and uh, so that uh, support in this ministry, so I, could, uh, so I could get the Word of God out, and teach, and study, and this, maintain the schedule I have. I just thank you for every single one of you for your graciousness. And, uh, and the Thompsons for their hospitality, and also the people on Pal Talk and listening on our website that have been giving as well. They, uh, the, the people on the uh, following us on Pal Talk and on, on the internet have been very gracious as well, like you in front of me. So this is a time that we can give to God. We're to give to God with proper motivation, out of love and appreciation for Him and His Son Jesus Christ and what He's done for us through both the Son and the Spirit is doing for us now, will do for us in the future. So this is a time that we can give back to God. Remember, God has given us our time, talent, and treasure and truth. 
and basically our giving is basically giving back a little bit to God what He's given to us. So this time, let's pray for the offering. Father, we pray that this offering would be given out of proper love and emotion, motivation, that you would bless this, the givers, because your word states it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we pray, Father, that our needs would be met and that this offering would bring glory to you and that there would be many praise and thanksgiving offered up to you as a result of this offering. And our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now the next song I'm going to do, the final song is Saved by Grace. <coughs> Thompson's doing a great job out there. Hey, I hope you're ready to rock it up a little bit.
business. Are you safe?